Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this is week two of our Ephesians study. We are joined today by Rebecca Ferris, a longtime she, a longtime She Reads Truth writer, former employee of She Reads Truth, and Best of all, a good friend of Amanda's and my big sister. Am I allowed to say that she's my I think big you sister? Are. She is the better part of the two of us. Rebecca lives here locally in Nashville area, and she has joined us in person, which is such a treat to get to record a podcast episode in person. And we get to read chapters three, four, and part of five of Ephesians together. Y'all are going to love this episode. Touches on a lot of stuff. Let's get to it. So, Rebecca, I was trying to remember earlier today, how many titles you held here at Sheared's Truth? It was so Like, how many. many job titles? I mean... First, the supportive sister. Yeah. Which should have... wasn't an official was title. An unpaid role. <laughs> unpaid role. <laughs> but you were our shipping manager. I feel like I was a writer first. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I can't remember if I started writing or if I started doing shipping first. I feel like I was just... Oh, I think Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was also probably unpaid. I'm sorry. I owe you some cash, probably. No, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you for all your supportive As sister. do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Rebecca, you've been around. So I remember, like, when She Reads Truth started, you know, going on a walk with you with our five-year-olds and three-year-olds and baby. Like, I mean, we yeah. just had little people and just kind of going, like, this is what happened on Tuesday. Like, here's something that happened in my life this week. Like, a little thing that didn't feel like it was necessarily, well, certainly not what it is, but I mean, you were around for that level of conversation of like, I had a conversation on Twitter, you know, like. Yeah. And I don't think either of us realized no, where it was. No, headed. no. And so it hardly felt even like a conversation point because we, you know, also had to talk about what we were making for dinner. Like mm-hmm. there were just lots of things. So from there, you were a writer for us. You've been a writer for us since the beginning and then also you were like managing editor, uh-huh. like research editor research before editor. that. Yeah. You mm-hmm. made the books happen. Mm-hmm. Managing editor. You kept the show on the road. Well, because Rebecca was around when we were just figuring everything out. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning, I mean, even like Kickstarter is like, oh, it funded. Well, now we have to ship all this stuff. Yeah. Right. How are we going to do that? Right. <laughs> I got and to do a lot of fun, of like it. setting up systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's something that you've always been good at. I remember, I think you directed a play. Maybe you were in a play in high school and then you directed it as an adult, The Cheaper by the Dozen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where like part of the like joy of that show is that the dad is all about like efficiency. And systems. And yeah. systems. And I don't know, like it feels like there's something from that that I see in you and that you brought to us. Yeah. Like, okay, we need to pack Ruth's study books. Like here is the fewest motions, the fewest touches. That was fun. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Tell you what, it really came in handy that Rachel's sister happened to be a person who studies and loves scripture, (laughs) who enjoys trial and error and figuring things out. And just, you just joyfully took on anything that we put in front of you or that just happened to fall in front of you. And it just, it was such a joy. It was, but it's also fun to just be your friend now. Mm -hmm. I know that's a nice season. It is also (laughs) a really nice season. There was the season of like working in our little 10 by 10 office because we like rented a room. She Reads Truth at a 10 by 10 office and your kids would like play under the desk Mm -hmm. while you packed. Yeah. Rowan was probably three. Right. Yeah. Anyway, and now we now we get to just be sisters and friends, which is lovely. Also, Rebecca, you still write for She Reads Truth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my mom's favorite games is to try to figure out who's writing the devotional before she looks at the actual name. And she usually can tell when it's, she's like, I knew this was Rebecca. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to entertain yeah. mama. Yeah. Yeah. Mama, mama Bible. Bible. Yeah. Mama Bible. Yeah. That's, real, that's good. I, I try to get a good that. start to get her going. That's yeah. good. Okay. So we're week two of Ephesians. Yes. So we're in chapters three. And four this week. And, and then I think bit of five. like the first half of five. So last week with Jenny Allen, we actually read all of chapter one and all of chapter two. I don't know if we'll be able to do that. It's a Here's the thing. The whole book of Ephesians can be read in 20 minutes. You really can just sit down and read it. And so over the course of three weeks, it's kind of fun to divide it up and not just talk about it, but it is the She Reads Truth podcast. So it's good to get to read it because y'all listening are probably not 
all sitting down with your study books in front of you. So if you're driving or something, it helps to be able to hear what we're talking about. I want to start on day one of this week, which is day eight of the study in Ephesians chapter three. Last week talked about you know, Paul gave us this, like, here is, here was your bleak circumstance. Here is the inheritance that you stood to inherit, the wealth, the riches of God's kindness. And here is what in his kindness he has done for you and not of yourselves. Like it is a gift. And so like, that's what one and two really teed us up for. It is the gospel. And then the rest of Ephesians is going to take us into slowly the, you know, okay, then, then what, what does it look Mm -hmm. like to live in response to what Christ has done that we had nothing to do with? Yeah. And if you missed last week's episode, definitely take some time to listen to that. We also cover delightful topics such as predestination with Jenny. (laughs) I mean, she wouldn't let us ignore it. So I guess we had to talk about it. I like that chapter three starts with one of those connecting phrases that Paul always uses that makes you go back and like, okay, well, what does this mean? So verse one begins with, for this reason. So we we go back and we're like, wait, what were you talking about, Paul? Mm -hmm. And it's the last couple of verses of chapter two were talking about Jesus as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so that is the end of chapter two. And then we go into chapter three. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he like interrupts himself, (laughs) which entertains me. He's like, wait, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you? The mystery which was made known to me by revelation as I have briefly written above. So that's kind of his like aside. It's like, wait, wait, wait. But you you do know, right, mm-hmm. yeah. that this is about this. And as Amanda reads this, listeners, I want you to pay attention. The word mystery here, it's, we're going to mm-hmm. see it at least three times, if not more. This is different than, like, sometimes we talk about, like, the mystery of the gospel, and we go, like, it's, so much of this is unknowable. But the use of the word mystery in this section is actually really cool. Pay attention to finding the word because Paul's going to say this mystery is not unknowable. This mystery of the union of Jews and Gentiles in the church. Like, so when he uses the word mystery here, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles being united in the church. So now read, Amanda, so that they can know. is just Jews and everyone else. Right. Right. Thank you. Okay. So I read through verse three, so I'll pick back up at four. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. Okay, this is, Rebecca, this is what excites me about this, because he's saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what's happening here is that he's saying In one sense, nothing has changed. He's saying this is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we also see in Romans 4, Paul says that the Abrahamic covenant includes all of like faith and always did. And so you think about like, you know, how Jonah was sent to preach the gospel to talk about God to the people of Nineveh. And so like, right, like that he's saying this was a mystery. This was not known to people in other generations, but it's now revealed to his holy apostles and his prophets by the spirit. At the time, it seemed like the people of Nineveh were outside of the scope of that covenant. Right. But here he's saying because of this revelation of the mystery of the extension of the gospel to adoption of Gentiles and all peoples of the world, 
Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, like, talk about yes. mystery. That's confusing mm-hmm. to me. But mm-hmm. like it says, it's accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it wasn't accomplished until after the fact, right? It was accomplished in Christ Jesus. But does well, that I don't mean know that... If, I don't know about the linear I don't know time aspect of that. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I think, yes, it was accomplished in Jesus. But how does that cover people who came before and after right. Christ? I think that is also part of the like mystery. You think I'm about, sure there are people who like are Rahab, to speak on that. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, yeah, there's like the whole covenant conversation. But we also talked, you know, with Jeff Bethke, the last episode of Women in the Word, where like he was saying like the covenant extends not just by blood, but by adoption, by like bringing people into your household. Because he was talking about Cornelius mm-hmm. and everyone in Cornelius's family. Yeah. Anyway, I'm probably getting into territory that I don't understand about covenant and all of that. But the fact that Paul is saying this was a mystery that always existed, but is now made known. Yeah. Well, it's like it's it's a secret that he's excited now to understand and to make sure they understand that God's family and God's favor and grace are not just for, that God's people are not just the Jewish people, mm-hmm. that now everyone else is also invited through Jesus into God's family and favor. Yeah. Yeah. And like we talked with Joe Saxton about that. This is one of those earthquake moments. This is not like to us, we're like, Oh yes. Jews and Gentiles were included in God's family. Like we're included in that inheritance in Christ, but this was new information. This was pretty earth shattering. Right. But it was, it was new information, but it was not a new plan. Right. It was, I mean, and it says here that this, you know, the plan from this according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But, you know, we've already had language in Ephesians that says like before the foundations of the world, Mm -hmm. like you have been predestined. Like this was always. Right. I think in the plan in Ephesians one, he already kind of dropped this bombshell of before time began, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit covenanted together yeah this, this covenant of redemption yeah and what that means and i'm glad that you guys talked about this last week with jenny but i mean what that means is there is not one single thing that you can do to make god love you more and also yes. there is not one single thing that you can do to make god love you less he covenanted before the foundation of the earth in the trinity mm-hmm. and we are secure in yeah. Him. Yeah. yeah. Which is part of the mystery. Which is part of the it's mystery. How, which how is why which is why it's important to read Ephesians as a letter because like I'm looking on, you know, page forty eight of my study book and him he's saying, as I previously wrote above, mm-hmm. you know, in chapter three, verse three, he's talking about what you're talking about mm-hmm. in chapter one, because he didn't have chapters and verses in his letter. <laughs> but he's going he's referencing that earlier part of this letter. As we've been reading Ephesians, I've been reading some of N.T. Wright's commentary along with it. And this this specific section I found to be really helpful, and I'm just going to read part of it. This is from N.T. Wright's commentary, Ephesians for Everyone. God, it seems, had drawn up the blueprint for his worldwide family right from the beginning. He had hinted that there were developments yet to come, perhaps most strongly in the prophets, particularly Isaiah, But most of his people had thought that their present calling to be his holy people and keep his law would remain central. Now, however, he is letting people in on the secret, which had lain hidden for ages and generations. And Paul himself is to be the one to take the news of it around the world. The secret plan is that God always intended to bring Gentiles, the non-Jewish peoples of the world, into fellowship with himself on equal terms with his ancient people, the Jews. And the good news, the gospel, is that God has now accomplished this through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, who is also the world's true Lord. So N.T. Wright <laughs> said studied so this much, a little bit more than us. So much more clearly like mm-hmm. what we've been dancing mm-hmm. around <laughs> for yeah. the last 10 minutes. Yeah, That's but like, this is the blueprint from the beginning. Yes. And it's not, you know, I think that we can misunderstand as we're reading that like Jews and Gentiles, like we're talking about two specific people groups that lived in the time that Paul's writing. But really this is the Jewish people that God has covenanted with from the beginning, back from Abraham, but then like the rest of the world, the rest of the world, there's no one that is excluded from this conversation at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fair to say, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. that this is about God now taking his covenant family and welcoming in 
And this is why I like to do timelines like in our series truth study books because we will bring in you know like here's what was happening in the bible during this time and then we'll bring in these extra biblical things like the first olympics and like just things like that but like we the first flute was created and (laughs) when was that exactly (laughs) i'm gonna have to look it up but i think amanda when you say like it not only includes god's chosen people the people of israel but it includes the rest of the world I like to think of it in those terms. Like that includes the people that were at the first Olympics and the people who made, and the guy that made (laughs) the first, or girl who made the first flute. Like that it's individual humans and not some like far off mystical group of people. Like it's people all over the world. Yeah. Join hands. Start a love train. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help it. So there is so much mystery in this. And I appreciated in the study book and in the reading plan for this day eight reading, the inclusion of Romans 11. Because Romans 11, and we're not, we're not going to belabor that because we could just really derail and be there for a long time, but there's so much in there that I just, I need to continue to work to understand. I see you have um, written in your margin, oof. Oof. <laughs> O-O-F. <laughs> oof. So, and the word mystery, you know, appears, but I love that Romans 11 ends with this and it's just labeled a hymn of praise. And this is starting in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's just like a deep breath at the end Mm. of, I don't understand how all this works. Mm -hmm. Do we? And we talked about this so much with Jenny last week, Rebecca. We talked about how like, you know, yes to God's complete sovereignty. Also, is there evidence of free will and decision making by men and women in the scripture? Yes. Like, so how do we hold the tension of these things of knowing that like, well, we're not just called to just, you know, sit and nothing we do matters and we don't have any agency. Like it's no. And so how do we reconcile those things? And I mean, maybe N.T. Wright knows, (laughs) but the rest of us are just like, oh, it just really falls short. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he, in this passage, he's calling us to be saints, right? Which is a high calling and we can't achieve that. Right. Yeah. Apart from the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. Before we leave chapter three, I'm interested in looking at Paul as a prisoner because the things that are so familiar, I am inclined to gloss over in all of scripture. Yeah, that's true. In the beginning, Mm -hmm. I don't need to read that. I've already (laughs) read that. Turns yeah. out you need to read it. Turns out just go, <laughs> go ahead and the familiar things, don't don't forget them. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. Paul is a prisoner right now while he's writing this. And I think it would be scary to be a prisoner. Like, I, th- I think yeah. that would be a, you know, you like, you don't have a home. You don't have your agency. It's, it's not a great situation. Yeah. You're captive. Yeah. Right. We agree. Okay. Yeah. And he is not concerned about it. Yeah. Look how he's... He is concerned, but not about himself. (laughs) Yeah. Not about that. Okay, yeah. Go for that, Rachel. I mean, in verse 13, he says, he's saying all this, like, we have boldness and we have confident access through faith in him. And then he says, so then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. He's not concerned about himself, but he is concerned that his readers Mm -hmm. will be discouraged about him being in prison. I mean, this to me, this is amazing because Paul has said other places, and we read this all throughout scripture, there is no fear in death. Yeah. For the believer, there is no fear in death. And in terms of the things that can happen to you on earth, the things that you could be afraid of, being a prisoner is pretty bad. And he's saying there's no fear in death. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing that can hurt me on earth. Like I'm not even afraid of, I'm not afraid of being a prisoner. I'm not afraid of, I'm not scared. Yeah. He's saying the gospel is giving him confidence for everything. Yeah. Like death isn't scary. Life isn't scary. Yeah. Well, it even doubles down to like, well, not only does he still have confidence. And as we saw in Philippians, like so much joy, but he's even saying my affliction is for your good in a way. I mean, and that's my paraphrase, but like but he says it. Well, I mean, he is, says they are your glory. Yeah, they are your glory. And I believe, oh no, now I'm, it's running together in my head with a verse from Psalm 119 where it talks about like suffering also being 
for our good or that yeah. God brings back. Mm-hmm. So that is a that is a tension in scripture that we have held here on the podcast several on several different occasions that those things can be both and but I mean but Paul just kind of mentions it it's just this is a matter of fact you know mm-hmm. that not only am I secure even in this place of being imprisoned but even more than that like clearly this is for your good and the good of the church and even my good because you know, God has willed it. Here I am. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, the church is so young right now and yeah. he is paving the way as a person who is, is living according to this new life in Christ, which is not going to make, you know, the Romans thrilled. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's living according to a different law. Mm-hmm. He's living according to the law of the Lord. And so the law of the land is going to be threatened. And I don't know if I'm wording that exactly right, but like there's something about what Paul is doing here a lot, everything about what Paul is doing here that is, that is paving the way for the church to come after him. Mm -hmm. And he is, he is speaking the gospel and, and he's in chains for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just take so much true, visceral, honest comfort from this because even when I compare this to Solomon in Ecclesiastes, who has experienced the whole gamut of wealth and power and pleasure. And he says, happiness is not to be found there. Mm -hmm. And Paul, on the other end of the the spectrum, is saying, even the worst of human situations doesn't ultimately threaten our security. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's such a good point that like the best of things is not our goal and the worst of things is not our fear. Our well, the best of things is not our comfort, and the yeah. worst of things is not our threat. Like yeah, our good. comfort, no matter what, is Christ. Yes, yeah. it helps me see that no mm-hmm. matter what my circumstances mm-hmm. are, my comfort is in Christ. Yeah. Okay, so in last week we read a prayer for spiritual insight in chapter one, verses fifteen through nineteen, and I loved it so much. Like I circled it, and I was like, "I'm praying this for my friends. I'm praying this for my kids." And I'm just like, it's my new favorite thing in Ephesians, these prayers, because I want to pray them for the people that I love. And so I love in Ephesians 3, it's 14 through 21 that I'll read this prayer for spiritual power. It feels like this turning point of, you know, he's said these things and he has like encouraged and he's like driven home what is true. And then I'm going to read 14 through 21 right now. You were talking about praying this over the people you love. This is a, a section of scripture that I do pray over my kids. Really? Um, and specifically for my daughter, for yeah. my eldest. It's just always been a passage that I have prayed for her. But also, I don't know if you remember, there are parts of this specific oh, yeah. section that we have prayed over the she's in the community and Mm -hmm. specifically very early Mm -hmm. and she reads truth like with the kickstarter campaign we were just talking about like i remember this passage being one pray scripture you guys it's good stuff so let's read starting in 14 and it starts with for this reason he is coming off of having said listen my afflictions are for your glory Mm -hmm. and now he says for this reason i kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, verse 20 says, and these are my favorite three words in this whole book. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond what we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That now to him is what we talked about a little bit last week. It's this, here's what we know. Here's what is true of God, of us, of what God has planned from the foundation of the world. Here's what is true. Like Rebecca, you said, there's nothing that we can do that can make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Now to him. And I love so much in this little prayer that he uses the language, Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, and that he uses the language, beyond all that we can ask or think. 
he's saying and he's laying the groundwork for this like permission to go like, this is true whether or not you understand it. Like we say to each other a lot, do you believe this is true? Yes. Do you understand it? Does your knowledge comprehend this? No, not always. And I love that he gives us that permission here too, to go like, this is beyond anything you could ask or imagine. This is, this is big. This is the big God. And even like Jenny was saying last week, like, I don't want a God that I can make sense of. I don't want a God that makes total sense to me and that I can like fit in my tidy box. I like a God that is bigger and incomprehensible to me. That's the God that I serve. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be God. If he was smaller than us, he wouldn't be God. No. <laughs> and so anyway, um, this, this prayer is beautiful to me. And the now to him is just so beautiful to me. I love that you pray that for Etta. Yeah, it's a good, it says all the things. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. this prayer also convicts me to pray Mm -hmm. because it is so powerful. And I was reading and I don't know if it was in the NT Right commentary or somewhere else, but how we can sometimes err in the way of seeing prayer as the opposite of action Mm -hmm. and that prayer it is mm. a form of action, yeah, because it is a a partnership with God's power, and I don't I don't know if that phrasing is right, but I don't feel, it feels fine. I'm just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's us submitting our requests to God and our will to God and and our trust to God, but then and fully relying on God's power. And I also noticed I love when the secondary reading, which it usually does, um, when it feels so directly tied to the main reading, and you know. On day nine, we're reading this prayer for spiritual power. Like Paul is saying in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in our inner being through his spirit. This prayer for spiritual power. And then in the secondary reading for today, we get Philippians 4, 12 and 13, which is that commonly misapplied or not misquoted necessarily. It's always quoted right. But misapplied thought of like, I can do all things. I can win every basketball game through Christ who strengthens me. And what Paul is saying there, and I'll read it, it says, I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And this is his prayer for spiritual power. It's not to be able to accomplish, to achieve. It is to endure, to have spiritual power. It's the same author. I mean, we're reading from Romans 11. We're reading from Philippians 4. And we're reading here in Ephesians 3. And his prayer throughout that, that theme of it's Christ who gives us strength and spiritual power. Yeah. And like we talked about last week with Jenny, the very power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that lives in us earthquake. Like that's such yeah. a big statement. It's huge. Yeah. And and so there is somewhere in here there there lies an understanding that we will only have when we are face to face with Jesus and no longer inhibited by our our human brains, but where we can understand how it is possible for us to both be so weak yet so strong in Christ yeah. and how it is possible for prayer to be act, you know, effective yeah. and and for prayer to be action that yeah. we can take and for it to and how we participate in you know the plans that he has already established in advance for us mm-hmm. to do like all of that is part of the mystery that is the gospel and so i'm thankful for the acknowledgement of that with word even the word choices like yeah. mystery this mystery continues i think and when yeah. we go on to chapter 4 where i mean the title of our of day 10 is unity and diversity in the body of christ so what you know how <laughs> is my question so let's read chapter 4 rebecca would you be willing to do verses 1 through 16 for us yes therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Okay, I'm going to interrupt us for just a minute. So this calling, a couple of things. One, the you, we can read this as, you know, you, Rebecca, you, Rachel. And that, that's not wrong to read it as a personal application, but he's speaking to the church. 
Mm-hmm. He's speaking to the collective you. And this calling, I just wanted to touch on calling for just a second, because a lot of times we, when we talk about calling now, we mean like, what big fancy thing are you going to do with your life? Yeah. And that is not, this calling is the calling to follow Jesus. Yeah. That's that good. is, it's the calling to Christ it's that the he's calling, talking about. We have the same calling. There is unity right. in our calling. It yes. is one thing. Yeah. That's right. That's good, Amanda. Hey friends, Hannah here. I wanted to make sure you knew about all the ways you can connect with the She Reads Truth community. In case you're new around here, we are a community of women in the Word of God every day. Our worldwide community is active and open to you at any time. And if you're not already, we would love for you to join us in daily scripture readings that can be found in our study books, on shereadstruth.com, or by downloading the She Reads Truth app. However you choose to join us, we can't wait to open our Bibles with you and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth found there. All right, verse 7, keep keep us going. going. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to the people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So he's saying all these different jobs are for one purpose, equipping the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. Until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, then... Okay, and I love verse 14. We will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown by every wind of teaching by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Mm. Christ. From Him, the whole body, fitted and knit together with every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Okay, so that's the mystery of unity and diversity, like the each individual part and the unity of going like we're headed towards something, the full growth of the body for building up itself in love. Yeah, and as we, you know, we're going to keep going. Well, actually, before we keep going, here the supplemental scripture for this day includes 1 Corinthians 12. This is verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many parts... And all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. And then it goes on to say like, but I'm a hand, but I'm a foot. Right. And you can't say, like, you can't say, we don't need the eyes because then you can't see, or we don't need Mm -hmm. the feet because then you can't walk. Mm -hmm. And so it's... Jessica, our managing editor, put it this way that it's and I don't know if this was if these were her words or someone else's, but that the body is unified but not uniform. So like the the members mm-hmm. of the body that there is unity but not necessarily uniform, like uniformity. So That's that those good, are yeah. those are distinct. So it requires the unity is not everyone is the same. The unity is everyone is different and you're called to one purpose and mm-hmm. to work together. Mm-hmm. I know I like introduced chapter verse 14 because I was so excited about it. But like, I want to go back and talk about that for a second. It says before that, that we're going into a maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, blown around by every wind of teaching. And then it says by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Like this obviously to me harkens to second Timothy four, which is also Paul, you know, warning Timothy about, you know, the itching, the people will want to have it scratch their itching ears with different teaching. But like, this is that. Yeah. And it feels like right now, it feels <laughs> you know, like right that now. there's just, we're just in this world where there's so much information and there's so many opinions and so much, I want to say propaganda, but I mean like people trying to to get you to understand their way of viewing things or their way of thinking and there's a very much like everything is is concrete there's no there's no gray it's just mm-hmm. it's very 
it feels like being tossed about mm-hmm. on the waves of culture and mm-hmm. society. And just it's like, so vital for Christians to not be children. To be anchored, right? to have anchors for their mm-hmm. souls. And so the way to not be a child is... That's the thing. Like, it's not a mystery. I think, right. like, I just love that, like, my temptation is to just read 14 and be like, mm-hmm. throw my hands in the air and be like, oh, for pity's sake, let's stop being tossed by the wind. Let's stop being subject to, like, subjecting ourselves to this cunning technique of deceit and this cleverness, like these things that are really, really winsome and exciting mm-hmm. and like truth adjacent, as we say. But there's no need for us to throw our hands in the air and go like, how do we stop this? Because Paul tells us. We have verse 15. Yeah. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him, into him. who is the head, Christ. Into, like that word, not like grow in him even, but like grow into, like grow Mm. toward Christ. And also verse 13, which is telling us like that the maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. We have to know our Bibles. We We have have to to know know what is true. We have to, we cannot expect to be believers and not be swaying in the wind if the only thing we're allowing to speak into our lives is social media or news articles or whatever else. Just other people who don't know what is true. Like we have to intentionally and especially now double down on instructing ourselves on knowing God's word, knowing our Bibles, knowing what is the truth. Read Ephesians, read the book of Ephesians every day for a week, 20 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. And just like read it, know it, read just chapters one and two and remind yourself what is true. So that when you go into the rest of your day, you aren't going to be blown around with the wind. Or confused. Or confused. Yeah. There will be no confusion. And you can't speak the truth unless you know the truth. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it goes even further. It's James. It's not just being hearers, but being doers. So yeah. it's not only knowing the truth, but speaking the truth and walking in the ways of Jesus. And so, you know, Paul will keep going here as we as we move on through verse four to talk about what it looks like to live in this new life that we have as Christ followers. Yeah. Are we ready? Yeah, ready he gets really going? practical. Read it. Okay. So this is starting in verse 17. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. Mm. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, that old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. I'm going to pause. So there's this contrast that Paul is making for the, he says the way the Gentiles live. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what he's saying is essentially those who don't know Jesus. Yeah. So like what it is to live not in the light of Christ. And then I like the ESV translation of verse 20. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Yes. Like even like that language, because the CSB says, but that is not how you came to know Christ. The meaning is the same. Yeah. But that wording strikes me. That's not how you learned Christ. Yeah. Like you know better. And it's not about be like this group of people, not that group of people. It's be like be Christ. Like, be like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because obviously anyone who doesn't, you know, know Jesus can't live in the way of Jesus because mm-hmm. you have to know Jesus, live in the way of Jesus. So to continue in verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, speaking the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another, mm-hmm. be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you 
along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. This is the second half of Ephesians. This is the how to walk. Mm -hmm. I love it. I also have noticed a couple of moments talking about the Spirit in this book Mm -hmm. and referring to the Spirit as a seal, or that we've been sealed by the Spirit, Mm -hmm. and then also that it's the down payment of our inheritance. I think that's... The guarantee that, where's the verse that what he has begun in you will carry to completion in Christ? Like, the Spirit is our guarantee. Yeah. And then Psalm 138, I think the very last verse of that chapter I've just loved and clung to for a lot of years is do not forsake the work of your hands. Like it's like you've started something and and you will not forsake what you have begun, you will finish. Mm -hmm. And so I think of that when I think of the Spirit as a down payment. One of the things that I think is really interesting earlier in this passage is that talking about how he sealed us that we have to run from these sinful desires. Yeah. We have to like, we have to put off the old man and yeah. The heartbreak of all the sin in the world is that it promises so much happiness. And Matthew Henry talks about this, Mm -hmm. that it promises, I mean, all the things that tickle your fancy Mm -hmm. promise that happiness is the end result and it's destruction. Mm -hmm. And I wish that somehow we could just hold in our hearts what Paul is saying here, that destruction is is what the world has to offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you follow each of those paths to its own end, you know, that it doesn't. Yeah, because we were saying, like, it's impossible. It's impossible to be perfect, and Mm -hmm. but that's what we're called to, and that is the way to life, and that anything else is just death. It's just dust and ashes. I mean, that's, like, that's what, I mean, I was just reading, like, that, like, if we're living unto the world, if we're living unto anything perishable, that it will be dust, and he says, but that's not how you learned Christ. Like, that's not what you know is true, and Rebecca, I love that you said we can't remind each other of what's true if we don't know what's true. Mm -hmm. We can't remind ourselves of what's true if we're not actually going to the source of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to be a child. I want to be, I yeah. want to be grown up in Christ. Yeah. And yeah. I think that Paul is intentionally starting to kind of pick at our innermost desires, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that desire to just to be happy, to be fulfilled. I mean, in five, he goes straight to like sexual desires because it's that, I mean, what is more at it. the core yeah. mm-hmm. of of humans. And this is one of those connecting words, therefore. Mm-hmm. So it's just all of this that we've just read of what we are called to and how we've been sealed by the Spirit and and called to this new way of life. Verse 1 of chapter 5, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children mm-hmm. and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. So it's not just be perfect, period. It's be imitators of God as dearly loved children Mm -hmm. and walk in love. As Christ loved. Right. Mm -hmm. But sexual immorality and any impurity or Mm -hmm. greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. And you have to think about the church. If the church is beaten down by their own shame. If mm-hmm. if the church feels like I can't speak up because I don't want people to know what I do at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, like or like what my secret yeah. besetting sins mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. If the church can't repent of their sins, it's so hard to stand up and say, here's what is true. I know what is true. Yeah. Because in the back of your mind you're thinking, oh but I'm 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 still holding on to all my yeah. sins yeah. that I just love. Or even yeah. our not secret sins and the way we treat other people. Well, it's you know it's, to to be ones who stand for the love of Jesus, yet speak. I mean, he's going to get to our words here in a minute. Like speak with harsh or foolish or crude words. Like, why do I have credibility? I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Have, I don't have any credibility as a follower of Jesus yeah. if I'm calling to love like Christ, mm-hmm. and yet this is in practice the way that I, quote, love. (laughs) But the world tells us that we shouldn't feel shame about our sin, that we should have pride in our sin, that we should normalize sin, that we should, I mean... Be curious about our shame. Be curious about I read the other day. Yeah. And that's so contrary. And it's that, like, what we're talking about, like, that, like, that clever deceit, you know, where it's going like, hey, whatever is sinful, whatever, like, you know, whatever is in you that's opposed to what is true... 
don't feel shame about that. Feel proud about that. Feel good about that. Whatever it is, I have a show that I like to watch and it's like a hilarious TV show, but the way that they normalize pornography just like totally bristles me and makes me feel so sad that they'll just be like, oh yeah, da, da, da. and you mm-hmm. like, you become immune to like noticing like, oh, like we don't feel any shame about this right now, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going on here into like words, but yeah, but like this sexual immorality the world tells us not to even make it a secret. Well, and let's talk about shame for a second. Like what I don't hear you saying, and I want to clarify that you're not saying is like, oh, let's sit in our shame and dwell right. there. Thank you. Another word we might use is conviction of sin. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is designed by God. Scripture teaches us the Holy Spirit convicts us in our spirit. And you do feel there is a shame that comes when you feel conviction and guilt yeah. for your sin. But that's good. But it is designed to lead us yes. to repentance, to lead us to Jesus. And the place, the place for us to lay our sin bear is is at the foot of the cross Mm -hmm. and it does us no good to pretend um, when we're standing at the foot of the cross that that we're that That we can hide anything yeah yeah or that we can hide anything but it is designed that conviction is designed to bring us to the cross to bring us to our knees and to repentance and back to what we just talked about which is relying on the goodness the love the mercy of Jesus and the power in our weakness because clearly we're weak right and so like both what Rebecca's saying is just like that we would even in the church knowing what is true that we would hide in our shame that we would sit in our shame and not bring that to light and on the other side of that is that we would glory in our transgression or in our sin and celebrate that. And neither is right. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is that we bring our shame to Christ. We bring our transgression to Christ. We align with what is true. We yeah. align with the Lord. And the church who is constantly submitting their shame to Christ and repenting is a strong That's where you church. want to be. Not a perfect church. No. But, yeah. But our strength comes from our repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we are all subject to temptation. We're all subject to impurity. Like, that's us. We're the sinners. Every right. one of us. The church is the sinners. So let's keep going because yeah. this is this is taking us somewhere. So verse 4, Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Bless. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Mm. Now, that is not the end of the chapter. Mm. It will keep going, but that is the end of this reading. How how much do you love this obscene and foolish talk or crude joking or suitable, but rather give thanks? Give thanks. Rather give thanks. The opposite. Use your words. Uh Yeah. Use your words (laughs) to give thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that this is not... Here's what I want to say about this verse five or what I'm learning as I'm as I'm reading this, Mm -hmm. that these specific sins that he's calling out are examples of idolatry, right? Where we're holding something else up. We're holding up sex or fleshly desire. We're holding up money, wealth, whatever it is. If we are idolizing that, that is not the behavior of someone Mm -hmm. who has the utmost inheritance Mm -hmm. already secure. Mm -hmm. You know, if my inheritance is the fullness of the riches of God, Mm -hmm. and if my inheritance is already secure in Jesus, Mm -hmm. then it makes no sense for me to worship a temporary thing of this world. Which zero sense. We'll get to it, but in verse eight, just like a couple of verses down, it says, you were once darkness, but now you are light. Not you were in and are in light, but you were once darkness and now you are light in the Lord. Like, what does it look like to be light in the Lord? It, It looks like putting off all of these things and bringing them to light, you know, not letting them stay in darkness, but whatever, whatever we have, bringing it to light in the Lord, which we can, we can go ahead and finish. This week's reading ends at chapter five, verse 14. I'll read it. So this is just verse six through 14. It says, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. That's an important, listen to that. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore do not become their partners. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. 
testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This it is shameful even to mention what is done in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. This brings me back again to the courage of the church, like a church mm-hmm. who's not living in fear, a church who is confessing their sins, mm-hmm. has nothing to hide mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. can have courage. That's they, the church that is inviting to the world. Yes. Shine a light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Confess mm-hmm. and then have courage because yeah. no one can... No, if you are confessing your sins and living in the light, mm-hmm. no one can say, mm, who are you? You know, yeah. I think you're just, you're not afraid. I, yeah. I mean, have you ever had a secret that you were so afraid someone would find out? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I have. Yeah. 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 I'm sure the church is full of secrets like that. And I think what he's saying here is. To the very young church at yeah, this point. Yeah. Yeah. Confess your sins. Make a 180 degree turn. Yeah. Repent. Turn mm-hmm. your ship from north all the way to south. Mm-hmm. Or west to east or whatever it Maybe, is. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Turn your <laughs> ship from the east all the way to the west. Yeah. And you can live in freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I just every morning yeah. live in freedom, of repent, walk in repentance. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about how young the church was and how it must have been tempting to hide their sin. Because of now knowing and understanding who Jesus is and what the message of the gospel is, but knowing the perfection of Jesus that they're called to Mm -hmm. and that they fall short. Mm -hmm. And so if we, having the benefit of the whole canon of scripture and thousands of years of church history, still struggle to remember the truth of the gospel and the freedom found there... How much more must they have now? You know, they were only a handful of decades removed from Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's great Mm -hmm. (laughs) to like know people who knew him Mm -hmm. or to be a person who who knew him when he was on earth. But how much more must it have been like, well, I, I have this example and I'm clearly falling short, but I like, do we just hide that? Or, you know, I just can see. It, it's helpful for me to remember that they were people, mm-hmm. that they were humans, yeah. that they were sinners, yeah. and that this message was for them just like it is for us and right. for us. Yeah. Right. And clarifying your shame, just like stating your sin. Right, right, right. It's is different. not repentance. Like just yeah. putting like a, put together like a Facebook post of like, so. Here's all the things. Here's, <laughs> yeah. Here's what I'm, what I've got going. That's not repentance. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am just struck by how thankful I am for God's word. And I mm-hmm. think about, I mean, like you were saying, like for the church then to have this, this wasn't canon. At mm-hmm. this point, this was a letter from Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't like the holy word of God, though it also was. Right. But there are people who want to hear and need to hear, you know, here is what is true of our state and how Christ interceded and interacted with our state. Like, this is the gospel. This is the truth. And then there are people, and a lot of times it's the same people who also need to hear, okay, then what do I do? Like, and I think that I'm really thankful because there are a lot of things that scripture is not explicit about. There are a lot of things where you just kind of, I wish scripture would tell me whether I should live in Nashville or if I should live in Dallas. Like I need to know. And it feels Mm -hmm. like it's not telling me. (laughs) But there are a lot of things where scripture is very clear. And I'm thankful for that. I think the early church was probably really thankful to get that letter from Paul that said, like, this is how you should live. This is what it looks like to live as a person who follows the way, a person who follows Christ. And we get that, too. We get some very black and white clarity on what it looks like to respond to our salvation, which was from the foundation of the world. What does it look like to live in response to that? And I, I'm just grateful. Paul even gives us a list of attributes for what the believer is supposed to look like at the beginning of chapter 4. Humility, gentleness, unity, patience, bearing with one another. And Matthew Henry has... So in other translations, this is translated as meekness. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Henry says, this excellent disposition of the soul, meekness. He, just, he leans into it and loves meekness. <laughs> he says, meekness... 
he doesn't make this aside, but I'm going to. I, we're tempted to define meekness as like church mouse. Weak. Yeah, yeah Amanda. Weakness. Yeah. yeah. But he says it makes men unwilling to provoke and not easily offended. Hmm. We live in a culture yeah. that is so easily offended. Yeah. yeah. And that we are so eager to provoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew Henry says, we find much in ourselves for which we can hardly forgive ourselves. Therefore, we must not be surprised if we find in others that which we think is hard to forgive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, meekness is having a little bit of Mm self-control and not assuming the worst immediately. Yeah. Not being offended, not being easily provoked. Being, I think, even keel and steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think steadiness is an attribute in a Christian that is a... Yeah. I mean, even in, I think, later in 4, he says, like, be angry and do not sin. You know, like, yeah. 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 Well, in verse three, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Yes. That if you're going to make every effort to keep unity and peace, then there's going to have to be a lot of self-control. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't, you can't just point out all the things. And, and I will say, you know, we were just talking about speaking the truth in love. That does not mean pointing out everyone's problems yeah. all the time. That's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. There is a bear. I mean, the scripture says, and more than once the bearing with one another mm-hmm. yes. in love and bearing with one another is a mark of love. And so there is one of the things that I find frustrating about scripture is that there is not, you know, I'm grateful for what we have. I'm also, I think it's probably also a gift that we don't have a formula and how to, mm-hmm. but as a, as a, as a human person that makes me frustrated because a how-to would be real nice. Yeah. But it doesn't tell us how to, to navigate that line between bearing with one another, but also speaking the truth in love. And, you know, there are a lot of different qualities that we're called to. We're called to be gentle, but we're called to be bold. Mm -hmm. We're called to, to various things. And so that is why I think that a reliance on the spirit and, and not just, I mean, clearly I believe that reading scripture and knowing the true word of God is important, Mm -hmm. but it's also important to be in prayer Mm -hmm. and to be meditating on the word and to be in communion with Mm -hmm. God so that we can rely on the discernment and the leading of the spirit and measures like this, where is this a speak the truth in love moment or is Mm -hmm. this a bear with one another? And this is like, I was like flippantly joking, like scripture doesn't tell us whether we should live in Nashville or Dallas, but like walking in the light, like walking with the Lord, we have the spirit, we have the down payment of our inheritance. Like we have, we know that wherever we go, wherever we are in the world, we have the spirit with us. And, And I think that that's just really sweet that we have so much special revelation in scripture and we have general revelation and we also have the spirit living in us because we are the little living stones as we hear in first Peter. I love that. And because of that big love that was promised to us before the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. Paul tells us we have nothing to fear in life or in death. And we know how the story ends. Yeah. There's no need to be provoked. Yeah. (laughs) There's no need to be afraid. Mm Mm-hmm. We are safe, we are secure, and we know the ending of the story. Jesus wins. Yeah. So we have much to rejoice over. Amen. The grand story, the full story, all of those things are true. In our right it's now sealed. story, those yeah. things are still true. And it may, you know, our circumstances are still real. Mm-hmm. And we may not feel safe. Mm-hmm. We may not feel secure. We may not feel like we know how the story ends. Mm-hmm. And so this is where those spiritual bifocals come into play. Mm-hmm. Where it's not, we're not going to pretend like the facts of our lives are not happening. I keep thinking mm-hmm. of the 80s sitcom and it's really unfortunate. Mm. The facts of life. <laughs> but it's not, it's, it doesn't mean that the facts and circumstances in our lives aren't true or happening or valid or upsetting or hopeful or whatever. It just means that, yes, this is what's happening in the world, but it does not negate and is actually subject to mm-hmm. <laughs> what is happening on a, a spiritual realm and that yeah. that Christ is king yeah. over our, our world, our country, our circumstances. That's the yeah. what we said that was a theme of Revelation. The Lord is God and he wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the theme. that. Yeah. Girls, we just spent an hour opening up the Bible and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we found there. And now, Rebecca, as our guest, we would like to ask you, 
if you lift your head and look around in your life, in your world right now, where is somewhere that you're seeing beauty, goodness, and truth? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we, I have six kids at home, and we live in this little tiny house on the top of a hill in the middle of the woods. It's my kids' favorite place to go (laughs) of all time. And we have guineas and chickens and ducks, and it's very ridiculous. And I have a one-year-old, and every night my 11-year-old, Gus, does a duck parade Mm -hmm. and he takes their feed and leads them in a circle around the house and Clementine calls it the duckle. Mm-hmm. Parade, mm-hmm. the duckle, and so she just duckles. Does duckles. this work? Do they follow him? Oh, oh yes. yeah, I oh, mean yes. it's their food. Gus is the shepherd of the. Why have I not seen video of this? I feel betrayed I as your friend. Yeah. I've fallen behind on my Instagram mm-hmm. entertainments. So so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the duckle parade. It brings our whole family joy every night. Every night. Yeah. Well, and that is so the, good. Not just the ducks and Gus, but like little Clementine going duckle. Yeah, it's for her. Yeah, that's a real win. Yeah. All right. That's a good beauty, goodness, mm-hmm. and truth. I love that. And I love Clementine. She's who are listening. Thank you so much for joining us. And Rebecca, thank you for joining us. Um, Happy to be here. Such a treat to have my sister here. And again, she's who are listening. We covered some pretty serious territory here. We've covered it's good and it's true. And also it is probably right that sometimes when we read scripture and engage with it, that it doesn't feel good. And it doesn't feel comfortable. And this, there were parts of this conversation that were hard. Anytime we talk about sin, we are sinners and we are sinful. And when we talk about it, that's hard. But I just want to encourage you as you go into this week and as you read Ephesians for yourself, as you read week two for yourself, and hopefully with some friends, that you would trust and hold God's word over your head as your authority and find comfort in that, find freedom in that. And like we said with Jenny last week, like that we live out theology and community. And so that we are talking about like this conversation that Amanda and Rebecca and I had, it is good to sit down with my friend and my sister and talk about God's word together and work it out together. I encourage you to have these conversations with your friend and your sister or whoever that is for you, but work out theology in your community. Hold God's word over your head as your authority and find freedom and comfort there. And more than anything, find hope there. Until next week, Rebecca, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs>